Let's talk finance. Wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot? Yahoo Finance does just that. It consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis, making it easier to manage your investments. Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Well, another Jobs Friday and another official government report on the economy, in particular the job market, that came out stronger than expected. In fact, just about every jobs report over the past year has been stronger than expected. What's significant about this beat is not just the magnitude, it was a pretty big beat, but we've got into a pattern where the government reports a much stronger number and everybody celebrates the good jobs number, but then they quietly revise down the previous number that they celebrated the month before. And they actually revise it down so much that it turns out that it wasn't a beat after all It was a miss, but nobody bothers uh, to cover that because they're celebrating the new beat. And the pattern is, well, a month later, it'll turn out that that wasn't a beat either. It was a miss, but no one will care because there'll be another beat to celebrate. Well, this time when they revised down or they revised the prior month, which was reported at 216,000, which was a beat, Instead of revising it down, they revised it all the way up to an even bigger beat of 333,000. Now, I didn't expect that. In fact, a month ago, I expected the number to be revised down, which was what happened with the last 10 or 11 reports. Um, You know, maybe the government saw that a lot of people were calling out this pattern. And so they decided to do this to kind of, uh, you know, stop that a way of thinking, right? That's another, you know, uh, uh, me thinking the numbers are manipulated. But so many people now were starting to say, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense that this is happening every month. I think the government kind of thought, hey, maybe they're getting on to us, so we better slip in an upward revision, right? Because they're, they're starting to get suspicious. So maybe that's what happened. So they revised the prior month way up to 333. And the January number, the consensus was 170, and we got 353,000 jobs. So more than double the estimate. But even if you look at the consensus range of estimates, the low number was 120,000. The high number was 200,000. So we almost doubled the high end of the range. Also, the unemployment rate fell from 3.8% to 3.7%. So more good news, right? The unemployment rate is lower. Now, the labor force participation rate did not increase. It's held steady at a very low 62.5%. Private sector payrolls surged by 317,000. And the prior month was revised from 164 to 278. The consensus was 142. Even manufacturing, 23,000 manufacturing jobs versus the 5,000 that had been expected. That's one of the biggest uh, increases in manufacturing jobs, despite the fact that manufacturing is in a recession. And all the manufacturing numbers are horrible 
for some unexplained reason, uh, during this manufacturing recession, there's all these manufacturing jobs that are being added, right? That's just another thing that doesn't really make sense. Average hourly earnings, they were up uh, 0.6, which was double what was expected. So another strong component that, you know, people would think, hey, the Fed won't like that because, you know, the wage price spiral, that BS I talked about on Wednesday's podcast, but generally the markets don't like seeing big wage gains. The one uh, sign of weakness in the official report was the length of the average work week, which dropped considerably from 34.3 to 34.1. The consensus estimate was 34.4. It was a big drop. In fact, these are the fewest hours that people have worked since the depth of the COVID lockdowns. And so even if you look at the fact that workers are earning more per hour because they're working fewer hours or fractions of an hour, their actual take-home pay went down, I think, on average uh, during, during January. But that was the one uh, negative in the official report. But I don't believe this report at all. I believe the household report, because that's the report that actually makes sense, because it confirms all the anecdotal evidence that's out there. I mean, first of all, before I even get to the household report, remember, the ADP report came out on Wednesday. I mentioned that on Wednesday's podcast. And according to ADP, which is a private company, but they're surveying the same jobs that the U.S. government is surveying. This excludes government jobs, so it's just the private sector. But they reported 107,000 private sector jobs for January and 158,000 for December. The government said that we had 317,000 private sector jobs in January and 278,000 private sector jobs. Why is the government coming out with so many more jobs than the private sector? I mean, who are you going to believe? Well, the private sector, you know, doesn't really have an agenda, right? They're looking to report the facts as they can calculate them. The government, of course, has an agenda. The Labor Department is part of the Biden administration. So clearly, they want to report strong job numbers. So when you have a huge divergence between what an unbiased private sector company calculates and what a totally biased government reports, who are you going to believe, right? The government or a private company? And, you know, making it worse, look at the numbers that Challenger, Gray reported, another private company. Every month they announce they report the layoffs for the month, big layoffs. And they reported 82,307. That is a huge number of uh, layoffs in a, in a single month. And you don't normally see um, months with that big a number. I think it was the biggest number of, uh, of layoffs in a January going back to like 2006 or 2008, with the exception of last January, 2023, there was a big number. But it is rare that you see this many jobs. It was a huge increase, too, in the number of jobs that were eliminated during the, uh, the prior month. So with all these job losses, and if you look at the, the unemployment numbers, too, that came out on Thursday, there was a big spike, you know, 9,000, 224,000. But in the last two weeks, we've had the biggest two-week spike in unemployment claims since early 2022. And the continuing claims now, unemployment, people that are staying on unemployment, is the, is the most since December of 2021. So the labor market appears to be deteriorating. Yet, according to the government, right, it's a boom. But again, getting back to the household 
survey. Once again, the household survey reported a net decline in, in jobs. According to that household survey, we had a loss of jobs on, on a month. I wrote down the number, where was it? Um, yeah, I tw- actually, I tweeted it out. So you, uh, you can go see a lot of this stuff on my Twitter. 31,000 jobs was the number that was lost. So again, which survey are you going to believe? Right? You have two conflicting reports. You have this establishment survey that says we gained all these jobs. But then you have another survey, household survey, that claims that, no, no, we lost jobs. And in fact, the household survey is even worse because there was a huge decline in full-time jobs offset by a gain in part-time jobs. In fact, if you go back over the last year, all of the jobs that have been added have been part-time jobs. It's just that we've added more part-time jobs than we've lost full-time jobs. And that makes sense because people have the ability to work multiple part-time jobs. There's a limit to how many full-time jobs one person can handle. I mean, in general, if a job is full-time, that's pretty much taking up all your time. You can't have another job. But when you have a part-time job, it's only part-time. I mean, it could be 20 hours. You got plenty of time uh, for another job. In fact, a, a perfect example of this is Meta. Because Meta was one of the stocks today that came out uh, with better than expected earnings. Uh, the big ones be uh, Meta and, and Amazon. But Meta had you know great earnings, be, beat the number, and the stock rose by 20%. Now, on its own, just for a second, that 20% gain equated to about $200 billion of market cap. That is the biggest one-day increase in history for the market cap of a company. But to put that in perspective, I think there's only 55 companies in the country that have a market cap of $200 billion. And so uh, Meta, Facebook, added the entire market cap of, of, of most companies, more than that, in one day. In fact, if you want to compare it, I did a quick look on gold stocks. You need to go for the top 15 gold companies in the world. That would be the Barracks, the Numas, the fake Franco Nevadas, Agnigo Eagle, all these big guys. The biggest 15 gold companies combined barely have $200 billion in market cap combined. In fact, I looked online, and the top 85 gold companies in the world, which is probably pretty much all of them. I mean, there are probably some tiny ones, but when you get the top 85, that's pretty much the industry. The entire industry has a market cap of $280 billion, and Facebook added that market cap, or 70% of that market cap, just today alone to the market cap it already has. But that also shows you how cheap, how undervalued gold mining companies are when the whole industry is barely worth today's gain in the market cap of, of, of Meta. But getting back to the real reason I'm bringing it up, the reason that uh, Meta was able to grow its earnings so much was because of massive layoffs over the past year. Meta let go of about 22% of its workforce. That's 19,000 jobs that Meta eliminated over the last year. So it doesn't have to pay those salaries anymore. So that's helping their margins. And also, they laid off a lot of workers, and those workers used to work in offices, and so they no longer have that office space. So they cut back on their rent. They cut back on their workers. And, you know, it's still the same service, right? If you use Facebook or you use Instagram, I mean, you don't know that there's fewer people working there. And, and so it's ironic. Because we're celebrating uh, the earnings beat in Meta. We're celebrating the strong jobs numbers. But we don't get the irony that the beat in Meta's earnings is a result of massive layoffs over the past year. Now, where are all these layoffs? Why are they not in the government numbers? Well, one reason is because a lot of those laid off Meta workers 
probably got part-time jobs to replace the full-time job they lost. So if you were employed at Meta, and maybe you were making 100000 or more uh, working at Meta, and you lost that job and all the benefits that went along with it, and so you picked up uh, two part-time jobs during the week. Let's say you work at McDonald's in the morning, and then you work at Walmart in the afternoon, and then on the weekends you tend bars somewhere. That's three part-time jobs. That's plus two. Right, so that's going to show up as a net positive in the official non-POM payroll. That's going to show, hey, two jobs were created. Right? But do you think the guy that is struggling holding down those three part-time jobs, you think he ha- thinks we got a strong labor market? Do you think he's happier and better off you know, with these three jobs, juggling three jobs, driving back and forth, no benefits at low wages? You think he's happier now with those three jobs than he was when he had one job? One good job at Meta? I don't think so. But that's the Biden economy. That's Bidenomics in a nutshell. Anyway, we got a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. I got more to talk about, so don't go anywhere. As a public person, I am hyper aware of safety and security. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online, and it makes sure it stays offline. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process, helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts will take it from there. Delete Me sends you regular personalized privacy reports showing what information they found, where they found it, and what they removed. Delete Me isn't just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information that you don't want on the internet. So take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom gold and use the promo code gold at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash gold and enter code gold at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash gold, code gold. All right, so I'm talking about the non-farm payroll reports. One of the other uh, dichotomies in this report, right, disparities or whatever is the best word, oddities, outliers, but is that the number of uh, workers or the workers who got jobs, and I, I got this off of the Zero Head, Hedge website. I might as well plug them because they put out a lot of good stuff today on, uh, on the jobs report, stuff that the mainstream media uh, completely ignores. Right? They just focused on the headline beat. They don't, they don't dig beneath the surface at all because they, they, they have no incentive to do that. They want to continue to... Uh, pretend that everything is great, and so they don't want to look beneath the surface uh, to find evidence that would contradict uh, that narrative. Uh, But on Zero Hedge, they pointed out that in the past couple of months, there was a huge collapse in the jobs that were held by American-born workers. Uh, They say 1.9 million uh, in the past two months, but what's, I think, more significant is that according to Zero Hedge, and I'm sure they're right, all the job gains since June of 2018 have gone to foreign-born workers. Now, what are the odds of that, right? If, if these were just normal jobs that were being created. Now, there are a lot of legal Americans that are here, first generation, that were born in other countries and and legally came here. Um, But they're a small percentage of the overall population. I mean, most Americans at this day and age were actually born in America. You know, I'm third generation, or second generation, rather. My my, um, father and mother, they were first generation born in America. None of my grandparents were born in America. But I'm 60. You know, my kids now are third generation. They're, they're all born uh, in America. But, you know, there's probably not that many people in the workforce today because most people who are working are probably under 60. They're, you know, 25 to, you know, 65. But, you know, people in my age are, are a smaller part. So the vast majority of people working will have been born in America. 
right? Le for legal, people that work illegally. So if all these jobs have gone to foreign-born workers, what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that most of them went to illegals because what workers are foreign-born? It's the illegals. And it's the illegals that are also likely to take the lower-paying part-time or full-time jobs that native-born Americans don't want. And, and so one of the reasons that maybe we have so many jobs being created is because we have so many people illegally coming across the border and taking these jobs, right? So that, you know, that's part of the secret to the success of Bidenomics is that all these illegals are coming in and getting jobs. Now, of course, I, I, I'm not upset that illegals are coming here and working. I, I, I don't like the ones that come here and don't work, the ones that go on welfare or commit crimes. If you come here and work an honest day, well, that's fine. You're, you're contributing uh, to the economy because you're contributing your labor. You're doing work that Americans won't do, uh, which is unfortunate that they won't do it. Maybe the government has just given them a better deal, and so they don't do the job. But again, <laughs> that shows you where these jobs are. This is not a strong economy. We're creating lots of low-paying jobs that most Americans don't even want. I mean, they're losing the full-time jobs, the people who are losing their jobs are native-born Americans, right? That, that, that's why you're seeing this huge collapse in the number of American workers who have jobs because the job losses are heavily concentrated in full-time jobs. And those are the jobs that were held by Americans. But again, that also helps explain the low popularity or high unpopularity of Biden. Because when they're polling voters, they're po polling legal Americans because the illegals can't vote. I mean, at least legally. I mean, maybe they still find a way to vote for the Democrats. But I don't know if they show up in these polls because supposedly they're polling registered voters and you can't really register to vote if you're not a legal American. And so if it's the legal Americans, the registered voters who have lost all these full-time jobs, that's why Biden is so unpopular, unpopular, or another reason he's so unpopular. You've got all these job losses and you've got high inflation. And, you know, even when the, I see these Democrats on television, you know, they're asked to kind of explain, you know, you know why Biden is so unpopular when the economy is so great, because they, they talk about how great the economy is. And then when they're finished talking up the economy, They'll be asked, well, but, you know, why is Biden not getting any credit? They'll say, well, because food is so much more expensive than it used to be. And other prices have gone up. Well, yes, that means the economy isn't good. A good economy makes goods more affordable, not less affordable. You can't talk about how great the economy is and then acknowledge that the cost of living has gone way up and that prices have gone up more than wages. That's not a good economy. In a good economy, wages go up more than other prices, right? That, that's like the definition. Or they acknowledge, well, real wages are falling. How can you talk about a strong labor market? Oh, we got this strong labor market when real wages are going down. That's a sign of a weak labor market. And again, a labor market where people are losing their full-time jobs can't possibly be a strong market where people are forced to hobble together multiple low-paying jobs to barely make ends meet, and they still don't earn enough, and they have to rely on debt and you know, credit cards and other forms of consumer loans. When they're drowning and their savings are depleted, how can you talk about a strong labor market or a strong economy? It's all a bunch of BS, and that's exactly... Uh, what uh, today's number was. Now, I want to talk about the market reaction to the number because initially the stock market sold off a bit because, oh no, we got the strong labor number, uh, so we're not going to get um, the March rate cut. Although the Fed, Powell, already took that off the table on Wednesday. So this wasn't new news because Powell had already said we're not going to cut rates. In, in March, and this kind of, you know, validates that. But I think what everybody is now thinking is, okay, so we don't get the rate cuts in March. We get the rate cuts in May. 
I mean, big deal. So we wait two more months, but the Fed's still going to cut. And so I think the initial negative response in the stock market, you know, people just bought. I think the, the, the uh, beats in Amazon and, and Meta uh, were just, you know, driving the market higher. And even though Apple missed, that was the one big tech company that missed, it was initially down about 3%, but they rallied that stock. I mean, it didn't close positive, but it was barely down. And it closed on, you know, near the high of the day. The Dow Jones closed at a record high. S&P, NASDAQ, the only big index that didn't hit a new high was the Russell uh, 2000. That, that index was down on the day. But the markets don't care, right? They just think it's, it's inevitable that we're going to get these rate cuts. And that's all that matters. We're going to get rate cuts. And, you know, they don't really care about what the job numbers are. Uh, they just assume we're going to get these cuts. And they're probably right. We're probably going to get the cuts. And so that's all they care about. Now, the bond market got clobbered. It was down in the morning and it was down all day. There was no recovery in the bond market. We had a big backup in yields. But remember, yields are still considerably below their peaks. Remember, the yield on the 10-year and the 30-year were above 5% uh, earlier uh, last year, middle of last year. And now we're barely back above 4% on the 10-year, the 30-year is at 4.227, and the five-year is pretty much bang on 4%, just below. That was up to 5% also, the five-year. So we're still way below the high point, but I think we're gonna make new highs in yield because I think that inflation uh, is coming back in a big, big way, as I've been talking about. Now, the gold market, though, got hammered at one point, I think it was down maybe $25, $27 would have been about the low. Uh, but we closed considerably off the lows. Gold closed down only about like $14 or $15. We're still at 2040 So even though we got this supposedly strong economic data, gold does not break support. Gold is still hanging in there. Yet despite that, they clobber the gold stocks uh, 4%. Now, the gold stocks gained almost that much yesterday, but they lost more than yesterday's gains today because they're so afraid. And I think the markets assume that gold needs a rate cut in order to, to do well. And that's not true. And investors think, well, if we're going to have to wait a couple more months for uh, the rate cuts, well, we're going to have to wait a couple more months for gold to go up. Gold doesn't need rate cuts. In fact, even if the Fed never cuts rates, gold's going way up. It's the stock market that needs the rate cuts. It's the bubble economy. It's the U.S. government that needs those rate cuts. Gold doesn't need rate cuts. Doesn't matter. Even if the Fed never cuts rates, I think gold is going to go ballistic. Because what's going to happen is the market is going to cut real rates. Because inflation is going to take off. And what matters to gold is not a nominal rate, but a real rate. And that is the rate of interest minus the inflation rate, and not the phony inflation rate reported by the government, but the actual inflation rate experienced by holders of US dollars. The real loss of the dollar's purchasing power is what matters. And when the dollar really starts to fall, which it's going to do, it's gonna matter a lot more to the international community that on the margin are the main buyers of our treasuries, the largest holders, you know, outside of uh, the Federal Reserve. It's these foreign central banks uh, that have been loading up on dollars, and they're not going to hold them uh, when the real rate collapses because they start seeing the exchange value of the dollar going down. And, of course, the entire time, the domestic purchasing power of the dollar is also going to be tanking. So gold doesn't, doesn't matter about interest rates. What matters about it is inflation and the fact that even if the Fed doesn't cut rates, it's not going to raise them. I would be shocked if the Fed raised rates before the election, no matter how bad the inflation numbers get. Right? If inflation picks back up, I don't think the Fed's going to say, oh, no, we have to hike rates. They'll be saying we need more time. We need more data. This is probably transitory. If you know, Maybe they'll come up with a with a, with a different word uh, than, than transitory, because you know th th that has bad connotations. So they'll have to come up with 
you know, something else. But, you know, there, you know, there, there are a lot of words they could use besides transitory that basically mean uh, the same thing. But they're going to explain it away. They're not going to hike rates because hiking rates, the markets would crash. The bond market would crash because the markets expect rate cuts. And so if you simply delay the onset of the cuts, the markets can handle that. But if you put in a hike, that's a game changer. Because if the Fed starts hiking, the cuts are off the table. right? Because the Fed is not going to hike rates if it intends to cut them. So any rate hike destroys the whole thing. right? The whole narrative blows up. So there's no way we're going to have a rate hike. And in fact, Powell had said that. They removed the bias to tightening. So rate hikes are completely off the table, out of the question. So if inflation picks up and rates don't rise, real rates come down. That's great for gold. And that means inflation is going to get higher and higher. But the other big thing for gold is the money printing, the budget deficits, the national debt is up to uh, uh, 31 point, I mean, um, what is it? Um, 34.2 trillion now. And these guys in Congress, they just passed some other kind of tax cuts, right? They don't even care. It's like, well, let's just cut taxes, right? Instead of raising taxes or cutting spending, which is what you need to do when you have a massive budget deficit, they're just, well, let's just cut taxes some more. Let's just make the deficits even bigger, you know, and staring at the fiscal ticking time bomb. So all the fundamentals are so bullish for gold. It doesn't even matter what these job numbers are. They're completely irrelevant. Yet, apparently, that's the only thing that counts as far as the traders are concerned. Oh, let's see what this government jobs number is, which is you know, irrelevant because it doesn't even matter because it's not even true. And let's sell gold off 20 bucks and dump these gold stocks because we got a better than expected BS uh, uh, non-payroll report and ignore the massive bullish case for gold. Gold should be many, many thousands of dollars an ounce higher right now than it already is. And so at some point, it's again, it's going to explode. Just like I said last podcast, I don't know when. It's, none of these numbers are going to matter. Right? It, it, it's just going to explode because all of a sudden we run out of sellers. You know? And the sellers are going to run out of, of money um, and run out of gold. That's going to be the problem, right? The sellers aren't going to have the gold to sell, and the buyers are going to overwhelm it. So before it happens, uh, you want to you want to load up on, on gold and silver and these gold stocks. And days like today, where they sell these stocks off on numbers like this, where people who don't know anything about uh, what they're doing or what's going to happen in the market, when they see that number and they sell these gold stocks, you want to buy them. And I think the smart money was buying these stocks all day. Because all the declines in the gold stocks happened in the first five or 10 minutes of trading. They pretty much went sideways all day long as dumb money sold and smart money bought. So be the smart money and you want to buy, again, you know, you got the Euro Pacific Gold Fund. Uh, you can get that no load at any of these discount brokers. Set up a managed account with, with Euro Pacific Asset Management and let Adrian Day manage uh, a portfolio of very undervalued uh, gold mining stocks. Now, I want to uh, switch gears a little bit and talk a bit about politics or something political. And, you know, I, I we wrote about this in the Shift Sovereign uh, daily email. A lot of you might have noticed that you're getting these emails now from me at Shift Sovereign, which is my new venture that I lost with launched with, with my friend James Hickman, who used to go by the pen name of Simon Black and now has gone back to his, his actual name. So we, we put out this daily email. And if you're not getting our daily emails, go to shiftsovereign.com and sign up for this free newsletter. But one of the things that, that we pointed out was what happened with the closure of another uh, Walgreens in, uh, in the Boston area. And this is the fourth uh, store in the Boston area that Walgreens has decided to close since November of 2022. And so on the floor of the House of the U.S. Representatives, uh, Democratic Representative Ayanna Presley, who is a member of the squad, you know, the, the leader uh, of uh, 
of, 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 uh, of the squad, AOC. But in any event, um, she got on the floor of the, of the House of Representatives and basically denounced Walgreens as being racist, um, shame on Walgreens, how dare they close down uh, the store, uh, and just, you know, just really vilifying them. And of course, why, how can it be racist to close down the store? Well, because it's in a predominantly African-American neighborhood. And so clearly, if they're closing a store in an African-American neighborhood, it must be because they're racist. They just don't like black people, and so they're just shutting down this store. But, you know, businesses don't operate that way. You know, it's, it's expensive to shut down a store. I mean, if you've got a store, you've already opened it up, right? And you, you've incurred all the costs of getting that store open, right? Because you have to rent the space, you build a building, you know, you got to build out uh, the interior, you hire and train the staff. There's a major investment in setting up a Walgreens. And so once you got a Walgreens there, I mean, you don't want to shut it down. That's the last thing you want to do. And of course, you know, the companies want to make a profit, right? I mean, uh, the squad always wants to vilify, oh, these evil companies, right? Try, trying to make profits. It's, oh, profits are bad. Well, the reason that Walgreens is shutting down this store is because there's no profit there. <laughs> you see, they attack profits yet they attack companies who close stores that don't have a profit. So you can't attack profits and then attack a company that shuts down a money-losing store. Because if you don't like profits, then you don't like jobs. Because you don't have jobs without profits. If you don't like profits, then you don't like stores. See, she's saying this is terrible because now people in the community have no place to buy their diapers or no place to buy a baby formula or medicine. You know the reason they had a place to buy those things? Because Walmart wanted to make a profit selling those things. The only reason anybody has the ability to go to a store and buy something is because the person or the company that owns that store was making a profit selling it. And the reason these stores are closing down is not because they're racist. No, it's because they're losing a ton of money in these stores. Now, why are they losing money? That's the question that the squad should be asking. The reason they're losing money is because so many of their customers aren't paying for the products. They are stealing them. Shoplifting has gone through the roof. That's why the stores are being shut down, because they're losing a ton of money because of crime. And if they want to buy insurance, well, the insurance companies know that they can't cover this stuff because they know stuff is going to be stolen. And so that's the reason. So instead of railing against Walmart and the greedy racist corporation that's closing this money-losing store, why aren't they saying something about all the criminals that are the reason that the store is being closed? And I'm sure those criminals are mostly African-American too. After all, it's an African-American community. So if most of their customers are African-American, well, then probably most of the people stealing are African-American, too. So can't she call them out? Obviously, that's not racist. That's just the facts that's happening. And so the, it's the neighborhood, the criminals in the neighborhood that are responsible. Now, yes, I feel bad for the law-abiding uh, uh, citizens, which is the vast majority, right? It, the majority of people who live in this community are law-abiding. They are paying for what they buy. They're not the problem. The problem is the significant minority of people who are criminals and who have been coddled and encouraged to commit crimes because people like uh, AOC and the rest of the squad tell them that they're entitled to commit these crimes because of years of oppression. Right? You, you are the victim of a racist society and you don't have white privilege and you know, you're owed reparations from slavery, but those racists don't want to give you the reparations you're entitled to. So just take what you need because you're entitled to it anyway. It's, it's your own reparations. Why wait for the white man to give you reparations when you can just take it yourself, right? After all, you are entitled to it. So just go and take what you, what you need. Right? And so this is why these stores 
are closing. But no, they don't want to criticize criminals. I know they can't do anything wrong. And they don't want to criticize the government who is enabling the crimes. It's not a coincidence that when you decriminalize shoplifting, when you tell people, hey, if you go out and steal stuff, we're not going to arrest you. You're not going to, uh, you know, go to jail. Just nothing's going to happen to you. You're just going to get a bunch of free stuff. It's not a coincidence that you have a huge surge in, in shoplifting, right? I mean, obviously, if there were strict penalties, right, what's Sharia law? If you're caught shoplifting, they chop off your hand. Now, it's not that I'm advocating that, but believe me, if that was the law, shoplifting would stop, right? Now, there can be some penalty, but it's, it's risk-reward. People don't shoplift. I mean, most people don't shoplift because they're honest, right? Most people, right, would not steal, right? A lot of people, you go to these stores, and, and it's self-checkout, right? I've gone to these stores where I just grab some stuff, and I, there's nobody there, and there's just a machine, and I scan the stuff myself, and it tells me what it costs, and I, I put my credit card in, I, and I walk out, there's nobody there. I mean, you're on the honor system, right? Most people can be trusted. They don't take stuff, not because um, they're worried about getting caught, but because morally, they know that it's wrong. I'm not going to take something without paying for it because I know that I'm, I'm stealing from somebody else. Somebody else is losing, right? I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I don't think I, I'm of some special moral character. I think that's the norm. Most people would feel bad about taking something that belonged to somebody else. They're going to pay for it. But you have a you know, significant number of people that don't have that moral compass, that are fine stealing. The only reason they don't steal is because uh, they don't want to get caught, because they're afraid of the consequences. Well, when you eliminate the consequences, well, then I'm going to steal, right? I mean, I, there's, I, got, I got no risk, right? It's all risk-reward. The reward is obvious. I get this stuff for free. The risk is that if I get caught taking it, I could go to jail. But if you can't go to jail, if you can't even be fined, well, then you're going to take, you're going to steal. But here's another moral hazard. Because now you're going to have a set of people that normally wouldn't steal. But they feel like a chump because they see other people stealing and getting away with it. And they think, wait a minute. I mean, I'm a sucker here. I'm going in and I'm buying stuff and these other guys are just stealing and nothing's happening to them. You know, why, why am I paying, right? And, and so then other people, you know, end up stealing too because they don't want to be the only one who's actually paying. And, and, and also the fact that you're getting a lot of people that are stealing stuff, I mean, that might be one of the reasons why they're able to buy more stuff is because they stole so much and didn't have to pay for it. So that's probably also skewing, uh, skewing these numbers. But it really just bothers me, the hypocrisy of these squad members who denounce capitalism, <laughs> now denouncing the companies for closing stores that aren't making a profit when they don't even like profits. They're talking about Oh, this is going to cause jobs. People are losing jobs. Well, they think the, the employers are exploiting the workers anyway. Why aren't they celebrating the fact that these greedy capitalists are getting out of their cities? You know, why doesn't the government, why doesn't Boston, the city of Boston, just open up uh, some uh, supermarkets and some drugstores where people can shop and let the taxpayers absorb all these losses? You know, if uh, Boston really wanted Walmart to keep these stores open, why didn't they offer to cover the, all the shoplifting losses? I mean, after all, Walmart is paying taxes, supposedly, right? They're, they're in Boston paying taxes. And one of the things that those taxes are supposed to cover is the police, right? But they're not even getting that. The police won't arrest the shoplifters. So what is Walmart or Walgreens, rather, I keep confusing them. What is Walgreens getting for its money? It's paying taxes for the police, and the police aren't on the job because they're afraid to arrest the criminals because that would be racist. <laughs> and so the result 
is the stores are shutting down. And a lot more stores are going to shut down. I mean, you can't force this company to stay in business. The company is only in business to make a profit. It's not there for public service. You know, these uh, squad members act as if the companies are there uh, to serve the community, like the community owns them somehow. No, they don't. They're there to make a profit. They're there to serve the interest of the owners. Now, the way the owners make a profit is by helping uh, their customers who live in the community. That's not their goal. Their goal is not to help uh, the community. Their goal is to make money. But they can only make money by helping the community. That is the beauty of capitalism. That is the uh, Adam Smith invisible hand. (laughs) But... The socialists that we have sent to Washington don't understand economics. They've never read Wealth of Nations. They don't have any idea why nations get wealthy or why they're impoverished. I mean, they're the ones that are impoverishing them. And you can see it right here. The government is destroying these businesses. And who is being hurt, right? Well, the community. The community that was being helped by profit-seeking capitalists who opened up stores to make money, but now they can't make money because of widespread theft, right? That the government is not prosecuting or stopping. So they're leaving, right? They're only there to make a profit. They can't do it anymore. They are gone. And the community is not like, well, they're entitled to this. They're entitled to a store. No, nobody is entitled to anything. You only are entitled to what you earn. To what you work for. People take all this stuff for granted that just because you're here, you're entitled to stuff. No, you're entitled to freedom. That's a birthright, right? But you're not entitled to free stuff. You know, the things that you have, you have because you earn them and because other people who are trying to earn money are doing that by providing goods and services for you to buy, not for you to steal. Walgreens is not there so that you can steal. That's not why it exists. In fact, a lot of the people are basically saying, hey, they should stay there. Walgreens should keep these stores open because we need to steal our stuff. How dare they take away all the stuff that we're stealing? That's not fair. These racists won't let us keep stealing their stuff. That's what people think. Of course, now what's going to have to happen is the thieves that were robbing these local stores are now going to have to drive further away to do their stealing because it's probably the whole state that is um, not enforcing these laws. So all that's going to happen is people are going to have to go further away uh, to do their shoplifting. Of course, the honest law-abiding people are going to have to go further away uh, to do their shopping. Uh, but as the, the uh, criminals end up expanding and doing their shoplifting at other stores. Now, more stores are going to close down. And eventually, you know, it's going to be harder and harder for people to do business. Now, what's going to happen? Well, that's going to benefit Amazon, right? Amazon had uh, good earnings today, hit a record high. Amazon loves this, right? Because the more stores that shut down because of high crime, right? Well, the more business there is for Amazon because it gets to ship stuff or UPS. Now, of course, eventually they might start robbing uh, the UPS trucks or the FedEx trucks. I mean, maybe that'll be the next thing, right? Where the looters will just start, you know, like robbing these trucks. I mean, how hard could it be? I don't think the drivers are armed. You know, you just pull up next to one of these trucks and just take all the stuff. That's probably what's going to happen once enough of these uh, stores shut down. So then Amazon uh, will have to stop delivering into certain neighborhoods. And then, of course, the squad will say, oh, Amazon is racist. They don't want to deliver into these neighborhoods. No, they don't want to deliver there because they don't want to lose money. It's got nothing to do with racism. These companies would love to keep these stores open in these African-American communities. They want to make money in African-American communities. That's why they opened up the stores, right? They were African-American communities when these racists opened up these stores there. So, the, the, the race of the customers didn't bother Walgreens, right? If they're racist now, why weren't they racist then? If they're so racist, why did they open the stores in the first place? They opened the stores because they want to make money, even if there were some racists at Walmart. 
Their greed, right, which these socialists don't like, the greed is more important than their racism. See, that's the beauty of capitalism. Even if you're racist, it's not going to matter because you want to make money. And so you have to treat your customers nice to make money. Even if you don't like them, you still have to be nice to them, right? And so capitalism eradicates racism, not government, you know, creates it. But they want to make a profit. That's it. They went in there to make a profit, and they're leaving because they're not making a profit. And this is just a, a perfect example of it and the hypocrisy. And they still don't learn their lessons, right? You'd think uh, AOC or this Ayanna Presley, would you think they'd think, hey, mate, wait a minute, you know, you know, maybe capitalism ain't so bad if we're talking about, you know, what we lose or, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have all these crimes. Maybe we shouldn't be coddling criminals. Maybe we need police. Maybe we shouldn't defund the police. Maybe we need more police officers. Maybe we shouldn't uh, vilify the police officers because when we had police officers, we had all these stores. And now that we told the police officers not to arrest the criminals, oh, the stores are now shutting down, right? Kind of make that connection. But, you know, I think what's ultimately going to happen, too, is maybe uh, the cities will start opening up their own stores and it's going to cost uh, the communities a fortune. And taxes are going to have to go way up uh, because the losses are going to be huge. And then more people are going to leave. And these cities are going to be in even worse shape than they are today. Anyway, that's it for today. Um, I'll be back again next week uh, with more podcasts. Again, don't forget, give me the thumbs up. You like the video, uh, say that you like it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel. You know, I've noticed my subscribers have stalled out over the last several months. I'm kind of like seem to have reached a plateau. So I really need to get more people signing up. Same thing on Twitter. You know, I've been stuck at 990,000 uh, X followers for a couple of months. In fact, I gain followers during the day. And then every night, you know, I wake up and there's two or 300 followers less. And so then I kind of gain them back and then I lose them. And so I'm not really sure if it's just maybe these bots being deactivated or something that's going on. Uh, but I, gotta, I really want to get up to a million. Uh, followers. So if you're not following me uh, on X, follow me and, you know, and uh, talk to your friends, you know, get some of your friends to start following me. If they're not following me, uh, they'll learn a few things and I might get up to a a million followers uh, a little sooner. Anyway, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye for now.